Newly stocked on the shelves is box number 512 with your hosts, Aeon and the Lioness, Black Trans Women, and Excellent and Defying All Life Expectations. The show begins now. Welcome to box number 512 podcast. Hey, sis. Hey, girl, what's the tea? And so I am the lioness, and I'm here with... Aeon, of course, honey. Always, as always, as always. And this week, we have a lot of very interesting topics we'd like to talk about. But first, bitch, how you been? What's the tea? What's the gaga? Give me the the story. Um, I'm... Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm doing well today. I've had a rough couple of days. Um, mm-hmm. Just in ending a relationship, um, just experiencing the emotions of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just trying to process everything, but in the end, coming out knowing that, you know, it was not me. It was this other person. And I did the best that I could, and I was the best woman that I could be. But sometimes... Just because you love somebody or you feel something for somebody doesn't mean that they're the right person for you or it's the right match for you. So just really trying to process that and mm-hmm. picking myself up, uh, um, picking myself up and talking to my sisters and just getting counsel. So I can say today I'm feeling much better than I um, have been feeling for the past couple of days. Mm-hmm. What's going on with you? Um, you know what, girl? I have been in a really, really, uh, an increasing state of anxiety, to be honest. You know, it's at first you can kind of like laugh at a corona joke here and there. And then as the death toll rises and it begins to start impacting people that you know and care about, and you're like, oh, girl, I really hope you pull through. Like, I really, really hope you pull through. And then as they're, you know, some of the people are sharing their stories and what's going on and you see that their their, their situation is deteriorating. Now, I don't think any of my friends that I know personally right now are at the point where they don't think that they're gonna make it through it, but just even what they considering mild COVID is really, really hard. And so as someone that is that suffers from asthma, it just is something that just is registers on my spirit. And, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to lie. This is a new normal for me. I, I spend days just wondering, like, what, what is life going to look like? And it's, I never thought that I'd be thinking about that in 2020. So, you know, that's, the, that's something that weighs on me. But other than that, girl, life is okay. You know, my husband is still employed, you know. I'm, I still have my irons in the fire. You know, the, the manna has not dried up yet. You know, I feel like I'm still being provided for by the Lord. And, right. you know, I'm getting, I'm taking this opportunity though, like for real, for real to like, not just clean my house in a way that I never really, really have. But also like, I, I, I'm taking this as an opportunity to spiritually clean house. Like really, really like getting in prayer rereading my prayers. So I'm a journaler in the sense that I don't really write daily journals, but I write my prayers sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or I write the visions that I have. You know, we, you and I have, you know, conversations offline about like how we all feel like we, oh, not how we, how we all tend to have different types of powers being these beings that we are. And I know one of mine is, is that I have a really, really close connection with the spirit realm. And so I really try to chronicle my dreams and my, and I really try to, 
you know, articulate very clearly my thoughts in the spirit realm because I know that I personally have a deep connection with that. Um, right. And so it's something that just is during this time of need. I feel like I it's allowing me to deepen spiritually. So that's a good thing. I just wish it, I just want everyone to, as many people as possible to live. But when you hear numbers like at the best end, if we only lose 100,000 people, that's great. Well, that's 100,000. <laughs> like, it's like, wait a minute. Only 100,000. <laughs> and the worst was 2.2 million. So it's just like, oh, this was about to be a real confusion. I mean, a real thing. Like, this is going to be a problem. So I'm a bitch. <laughs> and the numbers is just steady going up day by motherfucking day. It's like, stay yeah. y'all bitch asses in the house. Like, can stay we talk in about, the house. Let's talk about that. Let's take a few seconds to talk about that for a second. Like, let's not. Let's take a few seconds to um stone them that keep on going out the house. Because <laughs> you're doing nothing but making it work. Right. Your punishment is to be chained outside of a hospital to see everybody else get help because you don't deserve it. That's your punishment. Shay, girl. And so that's, you, why they that's why they don't let Sagittarius dole out punishments, girl. <laughs> girl, did you hear about the lady that went in the supermarket and was licking all the produce in a supermarket had to get rid of like $3,500, uh, $35,000 worth of groceries? Now, bitch, listen, there's never been a meat department that had $35,000 worth of meat in it. But, you know, they're doing that for insurance and legal purposes. <laughs> 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 girl, explain to me how many needs over here add up to 35,000, girl. It's like, sis, what strain of meth were you on to go do that? Like, you need to be sentenced to be um hit by every um head of cabbage that you But you, you know, on. but listen, girl, to be real though, a meat liquor uh, or or like a, a vegetable, like people that's it, it's that's indicative of a mentality anyway, girl. Right. Like, so even COVID didn't make her a meat liquor bitch. No. <laughs> COVID didn't have her in the meat department licking raw meat. COVID didn't have her licking raw vegetables, bitch. That was her own mental illness. And so mm. I, I want to say that I just think that we I'm learning a lot of stupid how many people are actually stupid during this time though. I will right. say I'm learning. Sit so your girl, ass in the house. Yes, girl. So girl, this brings me speaking of silly and silly, 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 stupid things. Um, we were going to talk about some, um, well, first let's do an icebreaker. And I think Brianna, you had the icebreaker for the week. We talked about some difficult things. We did our check-in, but I want to, let's, let's liven it up. So girl, introduce this icebreaker to us. Okay. So just a moment to have some black joy because we are trans and we are still black and we are black culture and we are part of the culture. So I have some questions I want to ask you, sis, to really to really test your blackness. Oh wait, me 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 me. Okay. Am I gonna have to sing? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, no. This doesn't require singing, though. It does require knowledge of um, songs. Oh. Okay. So for my first, I might question... introduce introduce singing if the right song is a part of it. Okay. Yes. And we'll we'll only we'll only do five of these. <laughs> um, question number one: What time was Usher in his drop top cruising the streets? Um, seven o'clock on the dot. Is is am I right? Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Question number two: How can you unbreak Tony's heart? Unbreak my heart. 
Okay. I think that's what she said. That's correct. Question number two. What should you do to prove to Destiny's child that you aren't that you ain't running game? Oh girl, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, wait, wait. Running game, running game. Um Oh, because I feel like it was running game and bills, bills, bills. No, but no, 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 no. Stand up hand to the no. What should you do to prove to Destiny's child that you ain't running game? Say my name, say my name. Okay, bitch. Look at that muscle memory. All right. (laughs) Girl, I didn't even realize as soon as you said it, it was just like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I like this guy. Okay, so fourth question. What weren't you supposed to bring to the dancery? Don't bring, oh, no. Well, let, let's get it, crack up on me. Don't need no hateration. <laughs> oh, I had to work through it, bitch. Hateration, right. holleration, and dispensary. Yeah, so that's what it was. Okay. Oh, let's do this one the, the, for the last one. Okay. How much was Erica Badu born underwater with? Born underwater with three dollars and six dimes. Yes. Okay, you got all of them right. Yeah, I'm a look music at, girl. Look at you rapping for rapping for the black culture, honey. Yeah. Right. Oh, so, I didn't have any for you, girl. No, it's so it's the key because I, I got it was funny. It was entertaining. Oh, okay, girl. Well, I like it. So next time I'm gonna get you to do something, girl. Okay. Thought, that was tea, girl. Thank you, sis. You got my- <laughs> <laughs> I actually yes. enjoyed that little icebreaker or whatever shit. Yes. Yes. Okay. So now thank Thank you for that. Thank you for lifting it up. And so what we want to do now is we want to get into one thing we want when we were creating this podcast, we really, really still wanted it to kind of somewhat be um, topical and connected to the world that we live in and the ecosystem that we were in. And so um, we decided that we were going to bring in some articles. And so we're calling this the out of the box segment. And this is where we bring in articles and other things that may somehow relate to things that we're interested in. It may be related to trans culture, may not, but an out-of-box segment is designed to bring in things not necessarily related to the topic at hand, but are interesting things that we want to discuss. And so, Rihanna, when you get a moment, girl, go ahead and introduce that first topic for us, and I'll take the second one. So, um, the first topic, uh, we have some unfortunate news. Um, Beloved Queens-based trans advocate, Lorena Borjas, um, died due to complications Mm. from coronavirus. So we definitely want to lift her up. Uh, And any trans trans person, part of our community that does great work, we just want to lift them up and surround positive energy around um, them. Uh, um, Lorena was a native of Mexico. She was 59 years old and she was a, she became a revered figure in her neighborhood of Jackson Heights in Queens, New York. And I never knew of her during her lifetime, but just 
seeing everybody on social media pay tribute to her and the work that she did and um, some of the movements that she spearheaded and seeing mm-hmm. how she, much she mattered in the the Latina trans community. Uh, mm-hmm. I just I just figured it was appropriate and the right thing to do to just uh, lift her up and just to let people know that coronavirus is real and we really need to now is the time that we really need to look after our loved ones and community because us as trans folks we're already isolated and we're already by ourselves so Mm -hmm. just take the time call folks check in on them make sure they're doing okay see if they need anything just see what's going on with them definitely because a lot of people what we also will find too in this time a lot of people are self-quarantining but the problem with that is is that when you're alone and you're self-quarantining, things can get bad because there's no one observing you, observing the, the person. So what you want to do with your loved ones and friends is make sure that you have a phone tree, if you haven't already established that, or some type of text thread where you're daily checking in on your friends and loved ones that live alone. Because they're finding that because it's breathing distress, well, who's around you when you're sleeping? No one. And that's a lot of times when the body has the greatest time with breathing distress. And I know that as a person with asthma. So just remember to check in on your friends and loved ones during this time. And big shout out to um, this great, great woman who in our community really, really, I feel like made an impact. So now transitioning to an equally as sad topic, um, we have a trans woman and this is sad and also in a very ironic way, is very telling of our times right now and how careless we are with life. Um, I want to take a moment if, um, to scroll a second and um, actually read a little of this. Um, a, trans- a transgender woman was stabbed to death in a park in New York City's Harlem neighborhood early Saturday morning. The 33-year-old woman was sitting at a park bench in Harlem River Park when her attacker approached her, witnesses told police, According to the New York Daily News, an argument ensued and one witness said it was over a wig. The attacker then nabbed her in the neck, stabbed her in the neck and fled on a scooter. Police arrived at 1.30 a.m. and the victim was taken to Harlem Hospital where she was pronounced dead. Now, um, um, another one of her friends said the victim's name was not being made public, but um, the friend, Lavonia Brooks, told the Daily News that Lexi... I guess, is one of the nicknames of the um, supposed attacker or the, the, supposed, the victim, one of the nicknames of the victim. Lexi had been taken, had taken a wig off of another trans woman's head in the evening. So what it sounds like in summary was that there was some type of argument between, it sounds like another, another trans woman. And then I don't know who the actual attacker was, the alleged attacker that stabbed this woman as a result of that argument. But I just want to lift everybody up in prayer. And I also want to say mental health issues are real and rampant in our community as, 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 as they are in all communities. But I want to particularly talk to us as an individual community. We have, a, it's, there's not very many of us as it is. Right. And as black trans women, we have, to, we have to have each other's back in a way to where I feel like that's a comp that I not I wasn't there. I don't know what was going on. I don't want to imbue anything, and I want to respect everyone involved. But I want to say, just from just a layman's point of view, based on this article, I think that this is an opportunity where there were people around them that could have de-escalated it before it led to let me go stab her in the neck because she took my wig. 
And I'm not saying that there were people around her that failed to do that. I don't know if she reached out to anyone or told anyone. I'm just saying in community, sometimes we can be very tolerant of behavior that is dehumanizing to each other. And there's a community of us around sometimes that won't interject or intervene to say, hey, sis, no, that's not the move. Or girl, don't do that to her. Or if there was enough social sanctioning within our community, that even that type of behavior wouldn't, wouldn't happen. But because a lot of times we come from stress and we come from situations where we're having to fight or battle, we always are in battle and in competition and even with each other. Brianna, what do you think about this? Um, I think this speaks to a lot of, I just have a lot of questions just from some of the facts. It's like, we're clearly in the middle of a global pandemic. So what type of social support or social systems did um, our sisters, what didn't they have Mm. to have them outside at 1.30 in the morning? Now, you know what, sis, that's what I love about you. And this is why, this is my, this is my... This is my legal sister. I love her. Now, we both went to law school, but Brianna has the ear for it now in a way that I think is just so amazing. And I'm so excited. Now, I would not have noticed that, what you just said, Brianna, say it again. Why were they both outside at 1.30 in the morning during a global pandemic? And I'm pretty sure that- curfew. Yeah, New York at that time was under curfew, but- not even to blame the people. I think no, it no, just... no, no. Like the, the idea that even in this curfew, even in this time where it's not safe to be out, they still felt for some reason that they had to be. And it just speaks to how a lot of times in situations like this, when we're in a state of panic, that trans people, specifically Black trans women, don't have the don't have like the structure or the support to um, be to seclude themselves or to protect themselves or to be in the house and be barricaded and we're out on the streets explode, exposed to the elements and anything can happen. Right. So I think, I think that, yeah, I think that this uh, speaks to that and it just shows how, any how we're always on the bottom of the totem pole and it, it's always prime for us to be picked off. I'm, it's very sad that this um, young lady has lost her life. It's very sad if she lost her life over, like nobody's life is worth a fucking wig. But it just, it just speaks to how at every turn we're just unprotected and we're just at a time where we should have the support or the services or the family or the, the mm-hmm. friends to be protected and to be in the house mm-hmm. where I, and I don't want to put this on here, but it's no tea girl. You know, you know, you know what we do. You know what our community is associated for. I don't want to say it on this podcast, but everybody in community, we know. And is it, why, are, why are we the ones even during this great time of panic why are we still the ones out there on the streets risking our lives, just, try, just trying to scrape by to get the bare minimums? Not only risking our health mm-hmm. being in danger, but risking mm-hmm. violence and death and all of that. So it just it just makes me think of that. You know what, girl? Which lead us, which I think that's an amazing segue, because what you talked about just in that moment, I, I heard that there are systems of oppression in place. There may even be a a socio-political climate in place that makes it possible for people people with a trans background to be discriminated against or treated as second-class citizens. To that point, we have um, another article um, based on 
um, a situation in Idaho. And Brianna, I think you'd be the best to, to talk about this. Um, so I, Idaho apparently signs an anti-transgender measure and it's, 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 about, it's related to trans athletes in sports. Okay, so getting on that topic during coronavirus, which, you know, it's, you know, it's amazing how all of the stuff is happening during a time when we're supposed to be quarantining and just being grateful for life and we're all equalized and we're all supposed to be helping each other. However, the state of Idaho has decided to be transphobic. So the Idaho governor signs the nation's most anti-transgender measures into law. So let's, oh let's, let's go on and see what this governor has done. The governor of Idaho set his state on a collision course with the courts Monday evening um, by signing two controversial bills into law. Both of the measures target Idaho's transgender community with the most discriminatory laws in America. House Bill 500 forbids transgender girls from competing in sports with girls who are cisgender, which means not transgender. One of the more controversial aspects of the bill is that if a high school or college student athlete is believed to be trans and competing on a woman's team, the school will be permitted to perform a physical examination of their genitals to verify oh, their gender. Did you just say that the school yes. perform a physical examination of their genders to verify the gender? As well as blood and chromosomal testing, according to Boise's state public radio so let me tell you why oh, i'm sorry go ahead sis i just had one more sentence to read and then we can get to it such tests are invasive and not part of routine physicals that athletes have to complete before completing according to three democrats on the committee who opposed the bill wow and they said and um I, and so it looks like they're asking these doctors to perform procedures way outside of the standards of care and basically like it, let, let me just just put it that in perspective guys i can suspect that a child might not be what i think they are now we know that gender is an illusion we know that there are women that are that are larger than the average girl now wait till your daughter who was born as a woman has to now go through a chromosome test but because they think that your daughter has uh, it's, it's your a chromosome that means your, your your child's dna now can be tested to ascertain what they think your child might be on a genetic level that is deep and we should be very afraid that beyond being trans has serious ramifications as a violation between a parent and a child's right to this child's medical privacy and it and what schools are able to ascertain. Because see, at the end of the day, there's some things that are no one else's business. Now, I un, people can have their different feelings on the trans part of this, but as a parent, for those of us that are parents of all different kinds, we should really, really be mindful of the fact that we're entering in a world where youth can be subjected to tests to verify their identity physical examination of their genitals by adults that's not you and that's our school people that are school designated folks just but just so they can figure out who your child is that's the problem and we should be very concerned Child, first of all, I want to say fuck the state of Idaho. This, these laws and these bills are fucking trash. And just on a, why this is wrong on a legal level is, is 
it's invading students' constitutional rights to privacy to subject them to strip searches to verify their um, children, especially when you don't do that as part of the normal routine for um, cisgender students. I think it's very humiliating and it's very degrading. And during a time when we're going and we have a global pandemic, I feel like the energy to push this law and to sign this law and to make it public, it could have spent, you know, it could have been better spent, you know, providing uh, social services for the thousands of people probably in Idaho that need them that are impacted by this um, pandemic. But I don't, I really don't want to get into the whole should trans um, students, you know, compete in sports because, you know, that's Sometimes. even dehu- that's too dehumanizing to even really debate. Like, I, I could not imagine the debate of now. Do should the standards? Should there be a different type of standards? Is that worth considering? I'll even admit, maybe in a world where you know, maybe in a world where I could see where you could physically maybe it, where there could be some sports where there might be a physical advantage. Maybe there's a world where the that that the, there's some type of process that the child maybe has to go through to compete. Or maybe we just throw the rule books out and actually begin to see children as more than just things that we can label and allow them to play with each other in what is supposed to be just intramural fun sports anyway and not make it a thing. And to, You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, There's a way in which I almost feel like... I don't know. Because I don't know. I, because I'm not a trans athlete or I don't have any expertise in that area, I don't kind of feel quite. I I just know on an intrinsic well, see, level. I was a, I, I, okay, so I I'm speaking this as a I'm, well, I'm sorry, you speaking as an intrinsic level, but I'm saying it as like a also a like a former athlete. I was okay. a nationally ranked athlete at some point. I was in, I I competed in the national championships. I you know what I'm saying like I was a runner, and I can say that. In high school, before I transitioned, I was able to run faster than a lot of Olympic female athletes. Mm-hmm. So then, if you if I were competing because I was a very very good athlete, if I were competing just with the average woman, I'd be beating a when I was seventeen. I could probably beat a lot of women in college. Now. I can understand how I being allowed, if I, without me have gone through a hormone process, I could understand how that would give me an unfair advantage. So I understand that concern as a runner myself, knowing what my times are, because you can't deny the times. I know what I run a half mile in, and I know what a, what a NATO woman of the same age and build ran the half mile in. You see what I'm saying? And no, I, I, I see what you're saying. My, I think my issue with the whole trans people in sports talk thing is it's not evenly applied. It's a particular focus on trans women because you never really hear about the trans men. Like if they wanted to That's a uh, good point. compete with cis men, never he- really hear any issues about them being accepted. It's only it's only about trans women or trans girls competing with uh, cis girls. Now I want to add. Well, no, I have heard a story. Just just remember the story of the trans man that was on T that was a wrestler and he was basically battering the hell out of these. Um, um, well, physically he won. He won, but he it, it was a, he was winning and he was undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he ended up winning the wrestling championship and I believe the state was Texas. I'm not sure. This is a very, this is just me layman. I don't want to put that out there. But I do know that there was an incident where it did go the other way and it was a national news incident because it was a trans kid that had been on supposedly on T. Mm. Well, e either way, I just, but with I Phil, just think, well, with Phil, I think this I level of scrutiny I do, I think it defeats the purpose and it, it further perpetuates um, discrimination and prejudice um, against uh, trans people and it, it empowers them to be either even further discriminated against systematically because now you're empowering people to physically invade their privacy yeah. and who knows what folks are going to do with this information and who knows how this is going to impact their education overall. I just, right. I just, like I just think it's a better, I think it's a better way to do this. And just the way that I see grown ass adults coming after these kids and targeting them and suing them. To me, it's just, it's not right. It's just not, it's, it's not right. And I don't, I don't, I just feel like, I just feel like that th this is not going to help us. This is not a means to an end. This is not, so what are we just going, so we're just saying that if you're trans, there's just no place for you. There, like, we just can't put you, you can't, you can't achieve your, achieve your dreams of being an athlete. That's why it's so groundbreaking when you had trans folks being the first in their field to do anything because we, because we've been excluded from everything. So it's just like, what, what is the alternative? What are we supposed to do? Just not protect you. Oh, so you just want us to leave out of public life and just go to the margins and stay at the margins and not ask for anything. Is that like... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think this is a very complicated issue and I do think that there needs to be a compassionate way that we, that we handle all our students because at the end of the day, these are students. We need to remember that these are children, that their mind is still forming, and that they are trying to figure out how to navigate the world. And particularly those of us that are LGBT, that's a little bit harder when you have literal laws being passed to limit your capacity to achieve. So just remember that when you think about some of these situations and these laws. But also, I think we need to remember that whatever the solution is, giving your children, giving, allowing schools to physically examine children all it's too much. It's too it, much. It, it's too much. Regardless of the answer, that's not it. That's not the answer. And keep so, the same. And keep the same energy. Because the whole thing with trans people in sports is, oh, you have a physical advantage. You have a physical without even knowing your biological makeup, how long you've been on hormones or the whole bit. But keep that same energy for cis folks that also have a physical advantage within their own sex and or gender. Because and let's also not be ableist and assume that all sports there is an advantage just that by men and women. I want right. to say there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of sports that women excel in at a greater and increased way than men, and that they have a, they have they prove to have a greater dexterity at. So it's very also limiting. It's also very misogynistic in the way that they're positioning it, like we're saving these women from right when we know that there's a lot of women who can rise to the challenge. Now, I said I was a very good runner, but I, there are women in the world that would have whooped my ass. There were probably high school girls that probably could have whooped my ass depending on the event we were running. My point is, is, is that every event, that, that is not the case. And so for, the, for it to be a uniform, sweeping, broad, 
um, um, rejection, it really, really, really minimizes women too and the capacity of women to really rise to the challenge of the group. And I'm just really, particularly with the two black trans girls that are, that have been sued, I think they're from Connecticut, just like the language and the rhetoric and like the anti-blackness and the trans misogynoir of it all, like it's just like the, the fact that people aren't seeing this, how, and also that, that'll get into our conversation later, but we, we, oppression is not uh, in a silo. We are all impacted by oppression. So you could think that this doesn't apply to you, Black folks that are, you know, always have something to say and acting like, oh, I'm not impacted by this, but know that those anti-trans jokes and comments are heavily informed by anti-Blackness and Black cis women. Those tropes also directly impact y'all, but we'll get, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Now, this speaking of tropes that affect community and people that play on tropes and narratives to serve an agenda that is deeper. So now we are told, and this is what's in, especially in this day and time when we're being told vote Democrat, because the Democrats have your back. Vote Democrat because Democrats are the party that's supposed to be progressive and to espouse the values that are supportive of all types of folks. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to at least be able to accommodate the idea that other people exist. However, I would like to share this article that gives me pause as to some members of the Democrats' ability to be objective because how can you advocate for me when you feel this way about people that love me? Here's the article. Democrat Amisha Cross chose a global health crisis to bizarrely reveal she refuses to date men who also date trans women. Now, during this time where we all in a way, she chooses this. The article continues. Amisha Cross, a Democratic strategist, has, shown, has chosen the coronavirus pandemic to, as the moment to bizarrely reveal she doesn't date trans men who have previously dated trans women. Um, she was replying to Root journalist Terrell Starr when she made the bizarre and uncalled for statement. Starr, a cis man, is open about the fact that he dates trans women, which is not often the case because stigma exists and it means that men are trained to feel ashamed of their attraction towards women who aren't cis. Cis, we talked about that last week, just means they are in alignment, their gender expression it is in alignment with their biological sex. Now, she went on to say, um, she went on to say, um, many of us, oh, but, by the way, Amanda Cross, who is a former Miss Black Chicago, said that many of us won't date a man who dates trans women. It's a choice, not a phobia. Um, she said, I'm sorry, pause a moment there. People date on preferences of all cis women ask for its honesty. Many of us won't date a man who dates trans women. It's a choice, not a phobia. People date based on preferences all the time. No shame in that. Just be straight up. Lying about your dating history, kids, etc. is not the way to build a relationship. Now, I could read on to continue and go into the back and forth, but I think we pretty much got the gist. This woman took this opportunity 
when as a democratic strategist, she got a lot of shit to be strategizing about, okay? To take a moment to just put that little dash of hatred out in the world. And cause it is, because it does not, no one asked her. She chose to respond to something that someone else said just so she can lend her voice to the conversation to say, anybody that would date those monsters, those ingrates, those lesser thans, those beings, those things over there, those other things, anybody that would even dare go over there is undateable. She took the opportunity to use her platform, her voice, her gift as a strategist to strategically try to to destroy a movement that she is not a part of because she admittedly won't date a man that has dated trans women. So if we just want to just go off of what she said, it's not like she even has a right to have an opinion. She don't even date men that date trans women. So you're choosing in this moment where everyone is in a pandemic and we're all fighting for our lives or our loved ones, regardless of color, creed, status, race, gender, any of that, sexuality, we are fighting for our lives. And she took this opportunity, democratic strategist, to try to denigrate our community. And I want, before I pass it to Brianna, I wanna take this last point of saying, I am ready to see the outrage from the other Democrats who purport to be progressives, who might hear our podcast, might stumble across this in some way. I want to hear your outrage at someone who would just go out of their way to trash some community that doesn't have nothing to do with them. Just one or two of you, even the super progressive as they call you. Because the problem is too, she felt emboldened to be able to do this because we live in a time where it's easy to dump on the trans women. It is easy. We're the butt of the jokes and we're supposed to suck it up and take it. We're being mocked on our radio platforms by people who claim to be representing a, a part of representing community and saying things that are still anti-transphobic because just like we know it's black people that represent massa and that uphold white supremacy there are trans people that uphold transphobia but we need to all remember that our allies the people that are listening we need to remember <laughs> that if you are stand for oppression anywhere then you'll stand for it everywhere and you're integrity is in question and so this woman shame on you but i also would like to hear i am tired of it always being us pointing out when somebody says some shit that's horrible so that then we come off like the nazis or the mafia going after this good christian upstanding woman but nobody asked her that and bitch you have other shit to do (laughs) bitch you have other things to do there are other fish to fry bigger fish bigger fish but you worrying about us and the men that you don't date. Go ahead, Brianna. Oh, before I get started, did you kind of want to introduce the main topic for today's episode? Yes, bitch, because I got mad. (laughs) The topic for today's episode is cis, C-I-S, comma, you're transphobic. Cis, you're transphobic. Not just Sis, as in sister, as in the colloquialism, the shortened version of the word sister. No, no, no. Sis, C-I-S, as in cis folk, 
you're transphobic. And we're calling you out on this episode. This is our third episode. And the topic is, sis, you're transphobic. Go ahead. Go ahead, my beautiful sister, Aon. Uh, again, global pandemic. We're supposed to be looking out for one another, protecting the most marginalized, at least us, amongst us, making sure we have access to resources. And once again, you know, cis people always complaining, oh, you always talking about how we're transphobic and we, you know, we do this and we we support y'all and I watch RuPaul's Drag Race and all of this. It's like, but yet again, at a time where we're supposed to be focusing on something else, you drop the ball. You drop the ball once again. And once again, the laborers want us to call you out and to tell you how you messed up and dropped the ball in the hopes that you'll be accountable and that you kind of rectify your wrong and you, uh, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? You kind of um, atone, atone for your wrongness. But like, mm-hmm. I think as we go forward on this podcast, it's, it's going to be a journey and really working through the the tension, I don't want to say issue, but the tension between Black trans women and Black cis women, and hopefully get into a point where we see that although we're different, we're just two sides of the same coin. We are, we are all impacted by anti-Blackness, trans misogynoir, like we're all impacted by us, but is Black cis women like this, is there an ability to see um, us as women that really, that really threat, that really impacts and complicates that relationship. Because, okay, let's point out why this, this comment is transphobic. Because well, first of all, sis, why is it? Yes, because there's a lot of people that won't even agree that it's phobia. So if right. you could do, take us that step, what is transphobia? So trans, just in general, transphobia is just the irrational fear of anything transgender related, just in basic layman's terms. It's just the irrational fear of transgender people. So what would you say to the people that say, that's not fear? What would she have to be afraid of? Okay. So clearly there's a layman, there's a, a basic layman's term definition. And just like racism, just because you don't say, oh, I hate trans people, just like you don't say, I don't hate black people. And I know people are gonna compare, um, well, black is not the same as trans. As somebody that is black and trans and, and a is. woman, and that has been impacted by all of them, sis, they're the same. But anyway. It is the same, and you can't speak to it because you're not both. Right. But so for I'm those just, of us I'm that are, not, it's the fucking same. I'm just not going to argue with somebody about my lived experience. But anyway, getting back to the point. You, it's, not, it's not about what you say about trans people. It's about the attitude, the attitude about trans people and how, not only how you treat trans people, but how you treat people associated with trans people. So case in point, this comment, which was uncalled for, nobody asked for it. Like, I didn't even know who this lady was before um, I saw this article and I saw what was going on. But you say in the comment... Maybe that's why she did it, because she's an an unknown... I didn't know who she was, and it's no no shade, it's no tea to her. I just didn't know who she was. A non-motherfucking factor. Go ahead. 
Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on a lighter note, um, the comment, I won't date, I won't date a man if he told me that he used to tra- date trans women. The reason why that is inher- inherently transphobic, because what you're really saying is, I don't want to date a man that trans, that dates trans women, because I internally, even though you might not outwardly feel it, internally, you feel like that a man that dates trans women, first you feel like, first, it's what it's saying is that trans women are not women. They are not who they say they are. They're really men. And any man that openly says that he dates trans women because he likes the uh, men, because they're men, they're not really women, he must be gay. And I don't want that shit around me. And it plays into, and this is where the phobia comes. It plays into the phobia of now. Now, if if you if you decided you don't want to date a man because you say, okay, I don't want to date a man that trade dates trans trans women because he is dating another man. Let's say you see us as men. Fine, I don't give a fuck how you see me. I know how I see me. So let's say you see me as a man. So then you say a man that would date me is seeing a man is dating a man. Well, what you're inherently, and you don't want to date me. Why? Because you think that's more risky, because you think it's dangerous. So what you're also doing- You think you're going to catch HIV. And so what you're doing is you're also showing your phobia in how you see gay people and how you see people that are different than you. You're actually showing your bias, your actual negative bias, because what you're saying is anybody that would date somebody that is of the same sex is somehow dirty. And you don't want that around you because you think that you're, you would become dirtied by the germs, the cooties of the person that has dated a trans woman. And that is what we're talking about. Think about it. If you, cause he don't have to tell you, that's the other side, right sis? Like most of the time you, so then now what is the incentive for any man to tell any one of you women out in this world if he date us? What is his incentive? What is his incentive if you're going to say, I want honesty, but if you tell me, you become undateable? Right. So then why would he tell you the truth? Because what you're actually judging is not just us, but him too. You have decided that he's no longer worthy to be a man. His, somehow his sperm stopped working. Somehow his dick became an, uh, unavailable. Somehow, because he happened to be attracted to what is it admittedly a gorgeous woman who takes care of herself and keeps herself up. Now, was what you cannot say, even in some of the absolute, what we were, what what what's, what some may consider the ratchetest examples of us. We are all fabulous bitches, from the head of our top, top of our head to the bottom of our feet. So now you looked at you judged this man for daring to be attracted to this beautiful feminine being, because you somehow believe that because you have a vagina, your femininity should, 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 should mean that you, no man should ever want, should, should ever look, even though when he looks at women, no one sees what's in between their legs. No man should be attracted to something that is different than, than you. That is really, really small. And that is very, very narrow-minded. And it also speaks to a narcissism. And I want to address that femininity it's something that should be upheld, held. It should be supported and loved in all of its forms. Because women, when you exhibit that kind of behavior, when you start acting like that, you're actually tearing down us. That's a femophobia too. Right. Because you, what you're actually trying to do now is say that this man is less of a man 
because he dares to be attracted to a different type of femininity. And that is also a part of a feminophobia because you've now reduced his masculinity. So just remember that there are a lot of levels to some of the shit y'all say and some of the shit that we perpetuate as a group. A lot of us as black people don't realize we've been colonized on so many levels. Mentally, spiritually, socially. Like we don't, politically, we've been colonized on so many different levels that a lot of times we are the people that are upholding the cages that are containing us. We are the very people that are making sure that crabs in a barrel, none of us climb out. And what we have to remember is the same narrative that says that because you're black, it's just like a white woman saying, I don't date outside of my race and that's not racism, that's a preference. Well, sis, you didn't have to announce it. That's the point. If it's truly a preference, that's something that you can keep. But it would be just as bad as somebody saying, I don't date fat girls. Or somebody saying, I don't date, I don't date black girls. Or somebody saying, I don't date, like you can have whatever preference you want and preferences can be cut and dry. But when you go out of your way as a democratic strategist on your public platform to then go when no one asked you in the middle of a pandemic when everybody dying, when you take your platform to just trash a community, you're making a statement that I think is problematic. And it's like, sis, what did you gain from what did you gain from sharing that on the back of a black cis man boldly proclaiming that trans women are part of the women that he dates? Like, what did, like, what did you gain from like publicly stating, stating that? Like, what, like, what did, what did you think the outcome was going to be? Exactly. And I think it's, it speaks to like that comment, not only was it, is it trans or comments like that, not only are they transphobic, it speaks to heterosexism, it speaks to cissexism, it speaks to, it's an active demonstration on how women, particularly Black cis women, also uphold patriarchy by policing men's sexuality and dictating how men should perform their sexuality. I think it just, spe- it's, a, it's a loaded comment that really speaks to so many things that a lot of us, um, Black trans women and Black cis women who get the conversation, because there, there are Black cis women that get it, is very few of them, let me put that out there, but there are Black cis women that are out there actively trying to do the work and actively trying to build community with us, and I definitely don't want to discount that. But mm-hmm. that it's it you, we can't get better or we can't evolve if people just want to put their nose up in the air and just say all of these crazy things and just I I am not transphobic and it is what it is and it's a choice and not realizing that yeah it's a choice but a lot of our choices are informed by prejudices it's just it's just the society we live in it's just the world that we live in and if you're not really if you're not really willing to take a minute to look deep inside yourself and really learn how your choices have been informed by anti-blackness anti-queerness have been informed by capitalism then we really are not going to break the chains of oppression we just we're just really not and for you to for you to how do i expect you as a black cis woman to have my back when you're invalidating my womanhood and the part the future partners that you choose how do I expect you to have my back? Or how do you expect me to have your back if that's what you really feel about me? And what you're asking 
is for honesty about something that you really don't have, not entitled to know. And like, I think we're, I think we're going to have the disclosure conversation at some point during this podcast, but it also speaks to this, this false narrative of disclosure, like you got to do it now. The real world does not work like that. And let's be real. Let's be transparent. No man, no woman is going both, either sex, no man, no woman, no gender, no person is going to start a relationship off listing every single person that they had sex with and the demographic representation of the person and what they look like and what, and what they, and what background they came from. No one does that. And I think it's unrealistic to even expect it. I think what you can expect is a pattern of behavior that indicates fidelity. I think you can expect someone to do what they say they're going to do. I think that you can expect that human beings, though, are flawed. And that human beings also are going to, are going, are, are, no one is going to go through their entire, entire sex narrative. And I'm, I, don't, I don't care who you are. You may have told some of it, all of it, but you didn't give all the details of everything. Because some of us, those of us who are adult and who have dated often and frequently, you don't even figure, you're not even finna go through all that. So then my question is, is what are you really expecting? Because it, at the end of the day, if you're with someone that is, because black, let's remember women of color, that we already dealing with a limited pool of men. So now you want to add all these extra qualifications on top of what, what you're looking for in a man, all the way down to let me get into your, into your sexual, like your, at the end of the day, he's going to lie if he don't want you to know. Pretty much, pretty much. So then most of the men you're dealing with are lying to you anyway. Most of them. And we don't, and, 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 and I want to also attack the, the narrative too that we need to tell you or that somehow that is our responsibility. Like, I want you to understand that grown people do what grown people do. And I stay out of grown people business. And to be real with you, when you're dating someone, if, you, if it does come up, and you do have an issue with it, ask yourself why. And if why is based on, oh, I might get AIDS, and this person is clearly HIV negative, then that says that you are a, you have phobia that you need to address. Because, because no shade, y'all are not worried about getting AIDS from other uh, heterosexual women, men that have an unprotected sex with. sex with all, they have an unprotected sex with all the women in the neighborhood. They're not worried about that. Oh, honey. No, no, no. When I first transitioned, that's the first thing because when you transition as a like the period of time that I was a gay young boy and gay perceived that way, yeah. Yeah, and gay young and LGBT culture is condoms, 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 condoms. So and I was the type of men I was able to the pool that I was dating from were mostly other gay men. Bitch, when I transitioned and I had access to these quote unquote heterosexual men or heterosexual appearing men, the first thing I noticed is that, bitch, there's no, there's no condom negotiation. There's no talk about condoms. It's, I meet you that night and let's raw dog it. So I just find it funny how Mm. when it's with men that are perceived to be straight, the condom talk is out the window. But then Mm. if there, when there's an inference that he might be queer or he might had messed with somebody from the LGBT community. It's all this HIV, HIV, AIDS talk. So it's it, again. You're it, pathologizing it's, our experience. You are right. literally saying by being those people, you are dirty. 
We're right. pathologizing our experience, and that's the problem. We're not right. pathogens. We're not contagious. It's not germs. It's not cooties that's going to rub off on you. When you act like that, what you're doing is you're putting the narrative out there that, that we are something that is less than. It's, it, you know, it's almost like how, you know, I, I watched a documentary recently, and they were talking about how the people in India that they call untouchables that are essentially a cast of people that are cleaners. They clean things but they clean things that people consider dirty. And so they're treated less than as a result. I, it's almost like we're trying to enforce this caste system where we're looking at people and we're saying, if you're a part of this particular community, you are undateable, you are unworthy, you are less than, you are beneath me. And I feel like as, as people of color, as black people in particular, is we embody that narrative we are no better than our colonizers. We are no better than the people that told us that we were dirty, that we were less than, not in my house, not in my family, not in my life, not around me. Like that is very much the way that white people talked about black people to this day, to this day. I don't want to even say not long ago. <laughs> no girl, this is actively happening now. Actively <laughs> happening now. So you are now perpetuating that same psychology in your own family around black folks who look just like you. But because you might be gay, I don't want that around me. Because you might be LGBT, I don't want that around me. But I'm your cousin. But I'm your sister. But I am your auntie. But I'm your family member. But you said you would love me forever. When you brought me in this world, you said, I would never, ever, ever let anyone hurt you. And now because you have decided you're better than me because of what a book told you or what some white man's God told you. Or just by virtue of you having a vagina. Or by, by virtue of you thinking you're better, you think now that I'm less than and I'm dirty and I'm beneath you and that I'm not worthy and anyone that would ever even love me is unworthy. The ground that I touch on is spoiled to you because you think you're that much better than me. That any man that could ever look at me with love or admiration is somehow an abomination or somehow dirty and filthy and disgusting. That says a lot about you. And it says a lot. So when you make those statements, remember you're talking about human beings. You're talking about somebody's sister, sibling, child. Remember that because you are no better than me. Regardless of my circumstances of life and how I show up in the space, you're no better than me. So then don't say things like, if you would ever do that, ew, when I'm a fucking human being, I'm not a doll. I'm not an animal. This is not bestiality. I'm a grown up. Okay. I want you to understand that I'm a consenting adult. And if anyone chooses to engage with me in any capacity, that doesn't, it's not an ew, bitch. So don't ever do me that way. And don't do our community that way either. Girl, I just got mad. Go ahead. <sighs> it's it's heavy because you know you really want black cis women to get it because it's no shade when they get it they're the first ones to come around and they're the first ones to really be allies to us in the black community so it's just like we want y'all to get it because we want sisterhood with y'all we really want y'all to see that Miss thing is not no competition. Like we are, we we are literally dying. the the lead, The number one cause of death amongst Black women generally is intimate partner violence. So the people that we are healing, taking care of, pouring into, building up, these are the same men, Black men, that are killing us, trans and cis alike. 
And it's just like, once we're able to undo the chains of white supremacy and really see how we are not ranked over one another, we're just both women with different types of experiences, different types of backgrounds with intersections, I just feel like we'll be better off because we, like, we're fighting over men that they're not, not even concerned with our liberation. Like, do y'all really think these men are just treating us better or they're just opening the world to, to us? They're, they're enacting their rage out on you for practice to come back to you and enact it on you. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. just like, I just want us to rise above it. And I, I, I think this is going to transition to the next part of our conversation. Mm-hmm. You've done something transphobic. And one thing I don't want to do, because like I said, I don't know this lady. Like, but you did do something transphobic. But I don't want to just cast you off because I always want to give Black cis women the benefit of the doubt. I just, I always want to give them their graces. But you've done something transphobic and for that you must be held accountable. Does that mean you'll be transphobic forever? No, not if you do the work. Not if you do the work to really unlearn that for yourself because no shade, that internalized transphobia is impacting you. It's taking potential partners out of your life that could be helpful or beneficial to you. But also to be an ally to Black trans women in your lives that you know or don't even know who are in your lives. So, so that's what I want to speak to in this next segment. How, how, can, how can Black cis women evolve from doing something transphobic and really be, really be allies to us? and really, you know, be our sister's keeper? Well, you're asking me that question. Um, And I want to, I think one of the ways, I think an an effective strategy at being an ally to a community is by doing exactly what any cis woman that is under the sound of our voice is doing today. Look for ways to connect, to engage, to listen, to be an observer, to find a way that you can educate yourself and enlighten your awareness to the perspectives of people who are different than you. For those viewers that are in the United States, you have a unique experience that is different as a woman. For our female listeners, you have, as a woman in the United States, you have a different experience from a woman that is in Vietnam, living in a rice paddy, that is different than a woman that is living in Siberia in the Tundra. You have a unique experience and your voice and your unique, beautiful experience is something that is a part of your, your personality. But it does, your unique experience does not remove you from the larger sorority of women. So use that same logic and as you would with a woman that would live in a totally different part of the world from you. Use that same logic with people that you don't understand who may be closer, but you just, they live a different experience of woman. As a black trans woman, we intersect in a lot of ways with you guys. We are available and ready to make friends. So then after the first step of actually educating and enlightening yourself, look for ways to connect support, empower, and develop relationships and friendships with people that are a little different than you. 
so that you can learn your experience. Don't reject them from the sorority of womanhood just because you have a disagreement on some parts of their experience of womanhood. We eat different diets around the world. There are people that didn't think that in other countries that eat animals that we have as pets. And that's not a judgment, that's reality. And the point there is, is that doesn't still remove her from being a woman. So you can disagree with some things in her life and still see her as a woman and honor her. Because why? The, the sorority of woman is understood to be diverse. It is a multiverse. It is complex. It, is, it, it spans continents. Hell, it may even span worlds we might find ourselves, you know, in these times. But the point is, is that what we know now about womanhood is that it's diverse. So why can't that diversity include us also? Think about that. Because it's not one or two people having this experience. It is millions of people the world over on all continents and all cultures. There are trans women. And I want you to know we're everywhere we've been here throughout history. And I need, I think, everyone to be aware that I think that there's a way we can. And I think we have in past times, in past times. And I feel like now there's a way we can coexist in our sisterhood. And that as a, as a group, as a collective, it is important that we remember to love on one another, encourage one another, take the opportunity when you're around other people that are trashing a trans woman to say, stop that. Don't do that. Not you, you won't be able to do that around me. I won't be the safe haven for hatred. Even if I myself don't do it, a lot of times we don't want to get involved. And so we'll let somebody say bad things. So then the next step, the third thing. So first, after enlightening and empowering yourself, then we get into you actually making the relationship. Now defend that friend. Be the ally that you say you are and go out in the world and make sure that hatred can exist around you. Be the beacon of light that you say you are. Be the Christian that you truly say you are. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I won't let you trash my family member. I won't let you trash my classmate. I won't let you trash that girl on the bus because she could be someone else's child. I won't let you harm that person. I'm gonna tell on you if you talk bad about trans people. I'm gonna alert the police if I hear you talking about killing a trans woman. Because I understand that they are human beings just like me. They are women just like me. Because in the sorority of womanhood, we still live in a world where womanhood is under attack. Femininity is under attack. And it's time to come together. And we want to unite. So those are my three steps that I think can really, really help. Enlighten yourself. Build the relationship. And finally, remember, remember, remember to be an ally at all times. Not just, oh, I love you. I love you so much. I love you. Oh my God. We have, I have so much fun around you. Or, oh my God, please come over. You make me laugh, girl. Oh, I love you, honey. Yes. Or girl, do my hair, bitch. Oh, girl, where you get that outfit? Or, oh, not just for what you can get out of the relationship tangibly. Be an ally when you're not around that person. And that can do so much. If we were all holding people accountable, we wouldn't exist in a world where men could say, I killed her because I didn't know. Because you would know, because you had relationships with trans women, you would know that these men are bullshitting the world and that we're not looking for them, they're looking for us. But see, that comes through enlightening yourself and being a relationship, 
be an ally by going out in the world and stopping darkness wherever you see. And I will also say, like, just through that enlightenment, everybody has privilege. What, like, you? So, part of that enlightenment, cis people, you have, you just have to be aware that you, as a cis person moving through this world, have privilege. Even going back mm-hmm. to our story of the athletes, you have the privilege of a school administration not invading your bodily privacy, your bodily autonomy to inspect your genitals to make sure that you are the gender that you say you are. Mm. You don't have that impacting, really is impacting your access to education and educational opportunities. Mm. So you just, just on that basic level, you just, you, you just really, cause that's the first thing. Well, I don't have privilege. I'm a woman, I'm a woman, I'm a, and it speaks back to, your refusal to really uh, integrate the terms of cis and, well, I'm a real woman, I'm a woman. Yeah, yeah, but you're also cis. And with that comes privileges that trans folks don't have. You don't have people questioning your gender or challenging your gender or saying that you are not who you say you are or because you're lying, you deserve these things happen to you. And that's why you keep wanting to say you a real woman, because you think you better. You have privilege. You think that we are trying to take something from you that you have and that you don't think we're worthy of having. I don't think you worthy of having it. As if you have the control, as if you, as if you had control over what privilege you got in life. We, we are all born with our different levels, but what you don't get to do is to deny someone else because you think that they're not worthy of what you have. That's privilege. And you, that's abuse of privilege. Privilege is living in a world where you are held up in a different way. You can walk into doors that trans women can't. You can be in rooms with other people where, where you could hear someone saying something bad about trans people and you could use your privilege in that moment. Because you but know- But you choose not to. No, but we're encouraging them to do so. That's, the, that's what I want to leave it on. I want right. to leave it on us in this moment Yes, you've chosen not to in the past, but we want you to remember that you should, you should, right? And you should, from here forward, from this conversation forward, because you know us now, you've logged in, you subscribe, you're listening. What we want you to do going forward is to, in that moment when you know you're around the kind of dudes that don't play that shit, quote unquote, the hell nah, they'll kill them. You need to, in that moment, say, hey, listen, 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 listen. Let's change the subject. Let's not even do that because this doesn't even serve anything. Because at the end of the day, what are you proving by invoking people that aren't here? You're only showing your interest. Because what could you possibly be doing by speaking about people that you don't not, that you that aren't around in a negative way like that? That's a fascination. So remember also too, to be that kind of ally. Because there are people that will say, oh, I show up to the rally, I go to the events, I support my trans sister, I am my one trans friend so much. But you're really not pushing the needle and you're really not being the best friend if you're allowing, if you're going around other people and heeing that person or dead naming that person or going around other people and making, and this is for family too. This is for family too. If you really say you love me, you will defend me when I'm not around. Right. You won't let another human being in this world disrespect me because if I insist that you speak to me a certain way, then how you letting other people get away with something I won't let you get away with. 
Now that's real because I'm not going to allow anybody in my life to talk to me in a way that I find disrespectful. I'm too old for that. And I, and, and I ain't that type of girl. You're going to get it in the worst way trying to disrespect me. So if I'm not going to allow you to disrespect me, then why would you allow other people to disrespect me? And vice versa, if you're my friend, there's not a human being on this earth that's going to really, really be able to give me too much about you. Not too much. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. If I love a bitch, you ain't giving me too much. If I don't, have, if I don't like you, but I respect you, I still ain't going to let people give you too much because that's just the type of woman that I am. We should seek to be that kind of women to all of our sisters. So I just, I just, I just want to, I just want to leave it off on this. You can say stuff that is transphobic, but there is a space and there's an opportunity where you can grow and you can evolve from that. And you can, it's really an opportunity for you to build solidarity and build some strong sisterhood with, with uh, women whose womanhood is shaped differently than yours, but it's still womanhood nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And one thing I don't like in community amongst trans women is, and I've seen it with um, some people in media spaces where it's like, well, we were made in the image of cis women and you you know, I give homage to cis women because they the blueprint. And it's like, no, 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 no. That that's not that's not falling on a sword for upholding cisness. That's I'll, not how, unpack that, sis. Unpack that. That's not that, yeah. That's not how we're gonna win this. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna win this by falling on a sword, ranking your womanhood because you were born with a vagina over minds because I transitioned into my womanhood, all the while ignoring our Black trans women ancestors who have been here for Mm -hmm. eons and generations that never got their due respect because they were intentionally erased from history. We're not going to do that. If if we're really a collective and we're in this fight for womanhood together, then it needs to be equitable. My womanhood has to equal your womanhood and your womanhood has to equal my womanhood. You are not inherently better because you were born into your womanhood and I became aware of mine throughout the journey of life. That, that's not how this is going to work. And also, we're not going to shit on our tr- Black trans ancestors who were here. We can't, we can't do that. We're, we're, we're a blue... We're, and this is for Black trans women. We are a blueprint of our own ancestors, and it's no shade to the to the Tracy Africa Normans, to the Lucy yeah. Anderson Hicks, to the Frances Thompson, um, who, who after after slavery went to Washington with other Black cis women and protested against Jim Crow laws. They did it together as Black cis. A uh, black trans woman, well, black cis woman, fighting for the liberation of us all as a black people, and we are just now learning about her because she was unearthed from history. Mm-hmm. Mary Johnson, people who have existed that mm-hmm. cis folks, don't, black cis folks, don't even know about because it's taken from our history. Yeah. Come on, it like we we are we are we are blueprints of ourselves. We're not trying to imitate. Black cis women, we have been here. Marsha P. The Marsha P. Johnsons, the Miss Major, like we have been here. And as we go further in time, 
more of our history will be unearthed and you will see that we have been living love hell even your mother um god rest her soul miss um courtney cheryl evans miss cheryl courtney evans alicia newson Mm-hmm. We've been here. We are blueprint. We we are blueprints of our own selves, and we one is not better than the other. We all work together to 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 really create what womanhood can be, and we should be celebrating. We should be celebrating each other's histories, and we should be seeing each other in each other. Mm-hmm. We should be seeing value in each other, and I'm I'm not going to just give homage and forsake my own history. I, I can't do it. So if the type of sisterhood that I want and the type of sisterhood that I envision is one where we are respected and treated as equally and not and not yours yours is better but just because you were born and society protects protects your former womanhood. It can't it can't be like that. I'm sorry, I was rambling. Did you have anything to at all sis it was it was quite to the point i think um we both been talking pretty long but no girl yeah we both we both we we have been here we men have been loving us so to sit here and worry about who is dating who and men have been loving us and men have been marrying us and marry it, it makes no sense and you're really not and by saying that you would refuse to date a man who is dated trans woman you're really denying yourself the benefit of a person who has had that unique experience mm-hmm. to really color his humanity and his compassion for people that are on the margins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. denying yourself. I definitely see that. Because God forbid you partner with this man and have a, a trans child or like a queer child. What do you want him to be, to be harmful to the child and to... to and just to not acknowledge a child and not give the child love because the child is different. Like we have to be very careful of the the things that we speak onto our lives. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm you know there's so many levels to this conversation too, but um, we also have to remember, and this is because there's a there's a part of it. I want us to remember that to be black because we talked about it briefly but i really want to drive home that to be black is something that you when you walk in the room it is what it is and to be trans is the same thing now when you put those two together you're dealing with a unique being that is is what we is, is dealing with different levels of stigma different levels of judgment. Because now I'm not just being judged for being a woman, I'm judged for being a black woman. And now I'm not just judged for being a black woman, I'm judged for being a black trans woman. And now, you see what I'm saying? And, and it go, so it, we, we have to remember the layers of complexity of what people are dealing with. And remember that just because you see somebody beneath you, doesn't mean that they, have, they, they are designed to be there. Why can't we live in a world where you and me and, and are, are both conceived as women and I can live a life and you can live a life and I can have a husband and you can have a husband and my husband is a man and considered the same type of man as your man is? Why is it that we have to get to the place where somebody's life has to be held up over someone else's? My value, my home is better than your home. It, it, it really speaks to the way our mind has been colonized to see that 
our who we are in this world is based on some moral code based on the laws of the land that were all created by the people that gave it to us to control us i think we need to remember that we are able to we are a communal people black people are a communal people black people are people that because we are communal we are we know how to engage i think the myth is that we don't know how that's the that's the stereotype that is put out there that we are we can't exist together. I think throughout history, if we look at how beauty the beauty of our of our mother continent and the cultures that have existed there for millennia, we are a communal people. We just have to remember that the things that have been we've been told that make us different that separate us are constructs designed to keep us at a certain level. And if we remove those shackles and can really, really begin to exist at our fullness, we'll see that there's a lot of beautiful things about us that we were trying to oppress, trying to fit into these overalls that we were told we're supposed to fit in, these work clothes, this identity that is designed to be controlled. If we could actually free ourselves of these of this visage of what a woman looks like and this visage of what a man looks like we would see a lot more fluidity in our being but because men wear this and women wear this and the line is split down the middle we're so busy trying to define things that we're forgetting how beautiful we are in our uniqueness and i want to put that into the space like beyond us being trans we're black too and we have a space and, in the culture. And we have a space at your table because whether you realize it or not, we're in your banks, we're at the table. We did the hair for the women at the table. Our gifts and anointings have been in your presence at all this time. See, the beautiful part about our community is, is that we make things beautiful in this world and no one can deny that. So the point I'm giving is that you are denying a beautiful thing when you deny us as a part of the black experience. The gifts and anointings that we have are useful and they deserve to be at every table but you have to be willing to consider the idea that what you've been told is a lie mm -hmm. just just maybe just maybe. so i i feel i feel like we i feel like we did a show i feel, I feel like, like we did a show i, I really is there any it. last thing before we end is there any last thing you'd like to leave with our listeners with that just because you do something transphobic, it doesn't mean that you can't grow and you can't um, have enlightenment. And please don't don't take this as Aeon and the Lioness are perfect in their judgment or we've always been here or we've always had this awareness. No, we too had to learn or go on our journey of unlearning transphobias but it's about the point of getting there so that you can be of service to others because that's that's really all that's really all this is is learn transphobia homophobia heterosexism that we all have to learn and we're all on a journey and mm -hmm. we, but the the point is for us to all get better so we can really break down those barriers and really be there for one another as black people as black people, we really need, we don't, we don't have, we don't have the luxury of excluding people from our community and not having space for people in our community. We just don't, it's, it's just no place for it, in my personal opinion. 
We mm-hmm. all we are all important to the community. We are all important to the culture. We all contribute to the culture, whether y'all try to acknowledge us or not. We we contribute to the culture. We and we've been we've been contributing to the culture. Mm-hmm. And that, and now is the time for us to remind you of exactly who we are and who God created us to be. And it's time for y'all to give us our graces. And it's going, to, it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's necessary. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Brianna, thank you so much for your time today and for, for, for you doing this with me. I, I just, a reason why I thank you for your time is because my sis, y'all, is a very, very busy woman, and she's got a lot going on, a lot of big things in the pipeline that we'll talk about as we unpack. But, girl, I just want to thank you for your gift today. You, you really were a rare form. Thank you. No, no problem. Um, so, um, and for everyone, thank you for watching the box number 512 podcast with the lioness and... And Aeon. Also, the announcement... Ooh. We are we are officially on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. So we really want to encourage you guys to uh, listen, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on the Anchor platforms. We also have a YouTube page, but we just want you to we want to encourage you to subscribe, go to our YouTube page, comment on, leave comments on the page. Also, if you go to our anchor platform you can leave voice messages if you have any comments about this topic or um the other two topics that we did please feel free to leave a voice message who knows it may get played on the show also if you had if you want to write any letters into the show please send us letters at um, our email address that is box b-o-x-n-o five one two podcast at gmail.com again that's b-o-x-n-o five numbers five one two p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com who knows one of your letters may be read on our next episode so also on apple Podcasts, please comment and rate our podcast um, make sure you do that. Make sure you engage with us on all of our social media platforms. We're really trying to um, get that going because we really want to interact with you guys and hear what you have to say and hear um, comments about the co- podcast overall in our discussion. So please uh, make sure you engage with us. Uh, we will see you on our... Also, our episodes drop every Friday. So we will see you on our um next episode next friday until then be safe stay your ass in the house and continue to be excellent love everybody bye bye thank you for for listening listening to to box Box number 512 and don't forget to subscribe and like all of our pages on social media and don't forget to subscribe so you can see what we'll stock on the shelf next week bye